The following message is from the North Shore Christian Centre MP3 Audio Lounge. More information about North Shore Christian Centre is available at www.nscc.org.au. Well, how many of you got what you wanted for Christmas? How many of you are glad that you got a relationship with Jesus? If that's all you had, that'd be enough, wouldn't it? How many of you are glad that you're surrounded by people that love you? That's all you had. That'd be plenty. Wouldn't it be awesome if, if children can get hold of that and say, all I want for Christmas is to have my parents love me. That'd, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then they say, but you can show me love by buying me this, that, and the other. Uh, because my love language are gifts. No, I'm only kidding. One of the gifts that I gave Anne, besides her, she didn't get an iPod Air. She got an iPad Air. So that's what she got. And she's still getting used to it. And um, Stephen's uh, downloaded, downloading stuff for her. And, but another one of the gifts that I got for her was the DVD Frozen. She was feeling left out. So she was actually tackling little kids like Estelle Lee saying, can I borrow your DVD, please? And they weren't going to give it because it's really important that children enjoy the... the and so I bought her own copy. And so, um, and, and so she's got her own copy now. And last night she had a few girls around and they, they had a chick flick night while I was preparing an anointed message for you guys. <laughs> Upstairs, they were watching. But actually, there's a song in Frozen that I want to talk to you about today. I've not watched it. But all I know from Frozen is, let it go, let it go. I don't even know how it goes. I just know, let it go. Can't hold it back anymore. Let it go. Let it go. Turn back and slam the door. That's it. Is that how it goes, kids? Three words. Let it go. I can't think of a better theme to finish off this year with. As we're about to launch into 2015, there are certain things that you need to let go. And this was one of the major themes of the Apostle Paul. Believe it or not, Frozen wasn't invented back then. There was no great singing back then. But he had this theme of let it go. It's found in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. And this is what Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one Thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. This is what Paul was saying, this one thing I do. If there's one thing that I do, if there is one theme to my life, if there is one way that I live life, this is the way that I do it. Here it is. I forget those things that are behind me and I'm reaching forward to the things that are ahead of me. Come on, you can't live in your past. 
You can learn from your past, but you can't live in your past. If you're still talking about the good old days, you need to discover that today is the good day. Today is the best day. You know, you, 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 can't, you can't even be controlled by your past. You can allow your past to catapult you into your future, but you can't be controlled, dominated, manipulated by your past. The best thing you can do with your past is let it go. And that's what Paul was saying. You know, now, now let, let me just say to you that Paul had some negative things that happened in his past, but he also had positive things that happened in his past. So he's not even just talking about letting go of the negative things. He's also talking about letting go of the positive things. So some of the negative things, how many of you know that Paul was actually a persecutor of Christians? He was known, it was his nickname, the persecutor of Christians. How many of you know when, when, when God revealed himself to the disciple Ananias and says, hey, Paul got himself saved, go and pray for him. Oh no, I can't go praying for the persecutor of Christians. He's going to persecute me. He had the nickname persecutor of Christians. How many of you even know that that's going to be a slight disadvantage when you want to go into the ministry? <laughs> Having the nickname persecutor of the Christians. So he had to let it go. He had to put that behind him so that he could pursue the call that was upon him. He couldn't be always driving, looking in the revision mirror. How many people spend their life driving, gazing in the revision mirror? The revision mirror is only to glance at, not to gaze at. Too many people are gazing rather than glancing. And I'm telling you, if you keep gazing, you're going to actually go off the road and wreck yourself. So the other thing that Paul had is that not only did he have negative situations in the past, but he also had hurtful situations in the past. And uh, um, when he writes to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he starts to talk about some of the hurtful situations. He talks about he got beaten up. He actually uses the word stripes. He said, why does he use that word stripes? Because his beatings actually left stripes on his body. He got lashed. He got beaten with whips and with rods that actually left stripes. How many of you have been beaten up with whips and rods? How many people here have been beaten up with whips and rods? Okay, so Paul's had more hurtful experiences than you. He's also, Bible tells us that he was in prisons frequently. He was in deaths often. And what's worse than all that he had a group of people called the Judaizers that would follow him wherever he preached the gospel. So he preached the gospel that salvation is in Christ and Christ alone. And then this group of cultic people that were sort of pseudo-Christians that were basically still attached to the Old Testament would come by and say, hey, listen, Paul's a good bloke. He, you know, he's a great preacher, but how many of you know as soon as that word but is used, then you just press delete on everything that's said previously. How many of you know that? That the word but is really another word for delete. Delete everything that I've said because now what I really want to say is about to be said. So if you're going to use the word but in my presence, then don't even, don't even cause me to focus on the first part of what you've said because as soon as you say but, I press delete. Okay, so this is what you really want to say. Oh, no, 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 no. Yes, yes, yes. This is what you really want to say. 
And so, and so uh, he's the Judaizers saying, but what you've got to do is that you've got to go back into the Old Testament. You've got to get circumcised. You've got to abide by the Ten Commandments. You've got to go back by the law. And so putting them back under the law. And they'd wait until Paul left, and then they'd go and mess up his job. How many of you think that's, 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 that's a shocking thing to do? And that's exactly what Paul had to deal with. The other thing that Paul had to deal with in his past was not just negative situation, hurtful situation, but also his great accomplishments. And I think sometimes to have to let go of your great accomplishments is even harder still. Because we love to be reminded of our great accomplishments. We love to live in our grand hall of fame and put it up on the wall, all of our accomplishments that we've done in the past. But how many of you know that your past is past? It's behind you. And so even though Paul had you know, written most of the New Testament, even though Paul was one of the great apostles, was the apostle to the Gentiles, this is what he said. He said, I'm forgetting those things which are behind and I'm still reaching forward to that which is ahead. Great friend of mine, his greatest statement is this, the best is yet to come. And every time he speaks, he finishes with the best is yet to come. He's only built the greatest church Australia has ever seen. He's only, he's only built the greatest television ministry that any Australian has ever seen. And yet he's living in this constant focus that I'm not living in my past accomplishments. The best is yet to come. Hey, come on. So what's this year? How's this year been for you? Has it been full of hurts? Has it been full of negative situations? Or has it been filled with great accomplishments? Because whatever the case, it's over. And you need to let it go in order to move forward. So, so what are some of the things that you need to let go of? Okay, let's get personal. Some of the things that you need to let go of. I want to get personal. Everybody says he's going to get personal. I am going to get personal. First thing you need to let go of is your failures. I guarantee that, that you attempted something this year and it fell over. It's a failure. But you know what? You've got to let go of your failure. Because you can't let your failure control your future. One of the greatest fears that we as human beings have to confront is the fear of Wonder how many things we've actually never attempted because fear of failure came into our lives. Here's a question I want you to ask yourself. Here it is. If you've got a pen and paper, write this down because this is something for you to reflect as you're going into 2015. Okay, here it is. The question that you all need to ask yourself is this. What would you attempt if you knew you couldn't fail? What would you attempt if there was no possibility of failure? You actually removed that possibility of failure out of the equation. What would you attempt? Because too often what happens is that we add the possibility of failure into the equation, but what we end up doing is that we actually underline the possibility of, of failure. We actually put it in big letters, the possibility of failure, until it becomes 
bigger than the possibility of success. And so we are more focused on the possibility of failure than the possibility of success. And what, we, what happens there is that you actually get stopped before you start. Here's another thing to let go of. Disappointments. Life is filled with sorrow and sadness. I guarantee that some of you over this Christmas season had sorrow and sadness. I guarantee that over this Christmas season, some of you had to confront family members and it was an argument. I remember one year coming back from, uh, from holidays and my next door neighbor turns up with a great big black eye. He was all bruised and battered. And I said, oh my goodness, did you have an accident or something? He says, oh, my brother beat me up on Christmas Day. We're talking 35-year-old man. I said, what happened? Oh, we just started talking about the past, and he got angry, and he beat me up. I thought, my goodness, that's the way that it is with some families. There's just too many disappointments, and you press some, some buttons, and it all comes to the surface. Just all comes. They're, they're trigger points. And you know why? Because they haven't let go of disappointments. Life is not only filled with sorrow and sadness, it's also filled with joy and happiness. So you've got sorrow and sadness on one hand, you've got joy and happiness on the other hand. Any problem with some people is that they're so focused on the sorrow and sadness, they actually don't even think about the joy and happiness. And so a couple of weeks ago, how many of you remember the message that I preached on 40 days of praise? Let me tell you, I am so impressed with some of you. I tell you, not all of you. I'll put it out there, not all of you, but with some of you, I'm very impressed. Why? Because you've actually taken up the challenge to start every day with three things for which you are grateful. And for some of you, let me tell you, it's going to change your life. Because after 40 days of praise, you'll end up having a lifetime of praise. Too many people, their focus is on their misery. Their focus is on what they don't have. That's their focus. Every day they wake up and they start, what don't, what don't I have? What don't I have? What don't, I want more. I want to grab. I want more. And so what a miserable way to live life, focusing on what you don't have. But if you can start every single day saying, oh, I've got breath. That's a good start. I've woken up alive. That's something for me to be grateful for. Wow. Absolutely. I've got a roof over my head. That's awesome. That's another thing I can be grateful for. You haven't even gotten out of bed and you've already praised God for two things. Well, you've got a bed. Wow. How, awesome. How many of you got a bed? Well, there's a third thing to pray for, to be grateful for. How many of you have got beds with no animals crawling through it? Oh, I'm telling you, I've done missions trips to India. And before you get into the bed, this is what you do. You just. <laughs> you just got to wipe off all the animals. And then once you've wiped them off, they just come in at night to suck on your blood. Yes. You're their savior. Your blood gives them life. You're. It's just, it's, it's, yeah, I, I know it could be a little bit blasphemous there, but that's what happens over there in India. Disappointments are there for all of us, but it's what we focus on, that what, what we focus in on that will determine 
whether we live life happy or miserable. You know what I've discovered? I've discovered that every disappointment has the possibility of a divine appointment. Every disappointment has the possibility of a divine appointment. And I just, when a disappointment comes my way, I just say, you know what? There's a divine appointment somewhere. There's a divine appointment somewhere. I didn't get that job? Okay, well, there's a better job coming. What? I didn't get that girl? There's a better girl coming. (laughs) One of my greatest disappointments one day was receiving a Dear John letter. Now, I know that I get a lot of D. John's letter, but this was, this was one of those D. John letters. There was this particular girl that I fancied, and she actually wrote me a D. John letter saying, uh, it's all over. And I remember being just disappointed. I mean, I couldn't understand why in the world she wouldn't want the Italian stallion, but never mind, that's another story. <laughs> but you know what? The fact is that she wasn't meant for me. Anne was. And have I got the best deal going? Have an Anne in my life. But you know, look, if you're going to clap, just make sure it's a really, really good one. Okay? <laughs> she deserves it, having to put up with me for 34 years. But she came along and she was God's choice. She was God's choice for me. But you know what? I could have camped at the crossroad of that disappointment for the rest of my life. Or just say, you know what, out of this disappointment, there's a divine appointment. And you've just got to discover the divine appointment out of your disappointment. And this year, I guarantee that every single one of you have had disappointments. But if you let go, there's a divine appointment in your disappointment. Third thing you've got to let go of is your hurts. Everybody say hurts. You just can't go through life without getting hurt. It's, it's a fact of life. Come on, just got to get used to it. You've got to accept it. Okay, everybody say, you can't go through life without getting hurt. It's part of the package deal. Okay, name me one person that's never been hurt. There's not one, there's not one character in the Bible that hasn't been hurt. Everybody gets hurt. It's what you do with your hurts that determines whether you can move forward. Because while you're holding on to your hurts, your hurts are actually poisonous and they poison your spirit. You know, this is the thing is that the enemy wants to make your hurt look so sweet. But in actual fact, it's a trap to ensnare you and stop you from moving into your divine potential. Now, I've told you the story so many times of how they catch monkeys in India. But for those of you that have not heard the story, I'll tell you again. What they do in India to catch a monkey, they actually get a jar with a narrow neck and they put it into an immovable position, especially when monkeys come by. Then what they do is that they put inside this jar with a narrow neck all the sweet things that monkeys like. And so what the monkey does... It reaches its hand into the jar to get those sweet things. And when it gets a fist full of those sweet things, the narrow neck of the jar won't allow the fist to come out. 
And so you see the monkeys actually trying with their feet to pull their hand out, but they haven't worked out that they've got to let go to be free. And so what happens is, is the trapper comes along and sees the monkey with his hand there and actually forces the monkey to let go. But by this time, it's too late. They're trapped. And I see people right through life holding on to the hurts. They're holding on like it's a sweet thing. When you begin to realize that your hurts are actually a trap to stop you from moving into your destiny, to stop you from moving into your divine potential. My goodness, once you start seeing it like that, you want to let go of your hurts. You don't grab hold. You don't hang on. You let it go because you see it as a poison to poison your spirit. Heard a story of a man that had just fallen over the edge of a cliff and he's hanging onto a branch. He's hanging onto a branch. And the Savior comes to lift him up and he says, just give me your other hand. He says, I can't. My other hand is holding all my hurts and all my pains. He says, you've got to let go if you want to be saved. He says, I can't. These hurts and pains I've had with me. You've got to let go so you can reach out to my hand to be saved. He's hanging on for dear life, but the hurts and pains are in the other hand. Can I just tell you that that's so pertinent for you? Until you let go of your hurts and pains, you can't reach out to grab hold of your Savior. Too many people are hanging on to their hurts and pains like they're your best friends. Hurt and pain is your enemy. It wounds you. So many people that I find with a wounded spirit, they're sick on the inside. Man, you just press a couple of buttons and you get these manifestations. How many of you think, what happened to you? Why are you so angry? What was all that about? Oh, it's all connected to hurts and pains that are still in your life that you haven't let go of. Come on. We're coming to the end of 2015. You've got to let go. You've got to let go of your failures. You've got to let go of your disappointments. You've got to let go of your hurts. But when you let go, you've got to lay hold. See, the second part of Paul's message is let go, but also lay hold. So let go is one thing, but lay hold is another thing. So what are, what are the three things that you need to lay hold of? And by the way, let me just say that the list of three to let go of is just the beginning of the list. You can go home and add another 300 to the list of three that I've given you. It is by no means definitive. It is by no means complete. It is just the launching pad for the rest of it. Okay, so what are are the three things you need to lay hold of? Well, Paul actually starts this passage in Philippians In verse 12, when he says, not that I've already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. So what is all this about? Can I just summarize it in just a few words, four words? The first thing that you need to lay hold of is the will of God. Everybody say the will of God. Oh, my friends, when you can grab hold of the will of God and understand that your whole purpose in life is to fulfill the will of God, then everything relaxes. Because because everybody is telling you what you need to do. 
Society is telling you what you need to do. You got a mum who tells you what you need to do. She's always told you what you need to do. How many of you got a mum like that? Yeah, okay. Then you get married and you end up finding out, I just married my mum. It's amazing. Because they tag team. Now she tells me what to do. Just an amazing thing. But to find out what the will of God is, is just totally releasing. He's my definition of success. Are you ready? Success. Success is simply fulfilling the will of God for your life. What? That's success. That's, that is the biblical Christian definition of success. But, but I thought success was having the big house and the big car and, and you know, the nice clothes and the jewelry. No. Who told you that was lying to you? Oh, but, but, but aren't they the symbols of success? No. Whoever told you that's lying to you. Oh, that's what I want. Okay, now we're getting to it. They are your wants. It's got nothing to do with your success. So what is your success? Fulfilling the will of God for your life. So this is what you've got to lay hold of. Did I do God's will today? Because if you can go to bed at night saying, yes, I actually fulfilled God's will today, then you've been successful. See, so many people actually have a 10-year plan, a 20-year plan. You know, I've got plans, but, I, but my plans are always put at the feet of Jesus. You know, I'm putting together plans for the next 10 years. All that sort of stuff, you know, I'm, I'm being diligent and all that. But at the end of the day, it's not my plans that are important. It's the will of God that's important. And you know what? You can get so caught up with trying to do a 10-year plan that you miss out on the daily living. Did I fulfill God's will for today? I did? Yes! Woohoo! Today was successful. And you build your life one day at a time. And if every single day you can say, I fulfill God's will for my life, you'll fill the 10-year plan, the 20-year plan. Actually, you'll actually fulfill your life plan one day at a time, fulfilling God's will. But as soon as the day comes past where you actually rebel against God's will, that's when things can fall over for you big time. Just one day not fulfilling God's will can mess up so much of your life. But every day, fulfilling God's will. I'm telling you, your life will just go from success to success. And at the end, you'll hear these incredible words, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what Paul was saying. This one thing that I lay hold on, it's the things that Christ has got for me. It's the things, it's the promises of God. I'm laying hold of those. That's what I want to lay hold of. Not my hurts, not my disappointments, not my failures, but the will of God, the purposes of God for my life. Second thing we need to hold, lay hold of is a godly mind. Everybody say a godly mind. When Paul finishes, well, he tries to finish. He's a preacher. I mean, he gives about three or four different conclusions. But in chapter four, verse eight, he says, finally, brethren, and then he does another 10 or so verses, 15 verses. Finally, brethren. He says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things. And then he gives a list of eight things to think about. What sort of things are true? What sort of things are noble? 
Whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there is anything that is virtuous, if there is anything that is praiseworthy, come on, meditate on these things. Fill your mind with these things. Get the junk out of your mind. Get the junk out of your life and start to have a godly mind. Paul says in Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2, is to be renewed. He says to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let your mind be renewed into a godly mindset where you are thinking about things that are godly. Things that are godly. Why? Because what you think about will determine your attitude. How many of you know that? Do you know what? How many... How many Husbands and wives, do we have here? Give me a wave if you're married. Do you know, if you wake up in the morning and you're thinking wonderful thoughts about your spouse, you wake up, oh, I just so love my husband. I so love my wife. And you start thinking those thoughts. Your whole attitude and disposition towards that person will be loving. But if you wake up in the morning resentful, you wake up in the morning and she didn't get me that Christmas present. I put it on the fridge. I talked about my friends having and she didn't get it and you're resentful. Let me tell you, that attitude, there's nothing loving or kind about your attitude because your thinking determines your attitude. So let me tell you something. If you're just a miserable wreck of a person, Nobody here like that. There were some elbows and ribs, but not going there. You know, let me tell you, the reason why you're miserable is because your whole mind is filled with negative stuff. You're not thinking of those eight beautiful qualities that Paul just said, come on. Finally, brethren, think about these things. You've got to lay hold of a godly mind. You've just got to work on your mind. You've got to work on your thinking. You've just got to work on it. And you know what? Some people, their disposition is to be more positive. So it's really easy for them. Well, easier. For some people, their disposition is negative. For whatever reason, their whole disposition is the glass is half empty rather than half full. Those people, you've just got to work at it. Seriously, you've just got to work at it. And say, well, at least there is half that has got something in it. Praise God. Something. Something. You know, you know what happened when the optimist and the negative person were arguing about whether that glass was half full or half empty. The opportunist drank it all. Anyway, else. <laughs> sorry about that. It's a dad joke. I can't escape from it. Just dads are dads. Okay, godly mindset. Last thing. I'm about to finish. First thing to lay hold of was what? The will of God. Second thing to lay hold of was what? A godly mind. The third thing to grab hold of is eternal life. Dan, you can come up. And this is what Paul says. Fight, Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. First Timothy 6 verse 12. But lay hold on eternal life. See, we were created by God to live forever. How many of you think that's awesome? Come on. You're not just neurons and chemistry. 
you're not just pieces of meat. There's a spiritual side to you. Too many people just want to define their bodies just in scientific terms that can be analyzed by medicine and science without realizing, but there's a part of you that medicine and science can't analyze. All they can do is to see the effects. If your spiritual life is good, it'll affect your physical life. But if your spiritual life is not healthy, that will also affect your physical life. We are actual spirit beings that are having a human experience. And this human experience only goes for a little bit of time, 70, 80, 90, 100 years. Just, and for some, it just goes for such a brief little bit of time. But then you're thrust into eternity. And when you're thrust into eternity, you either had eternal life or eternal death. And Paul says to Timothy, come on, if you're going to lay hold of something, lay hold of eternal life. Where you enjoy eternity. Now, the beautiful thing about eternal life is that it's actually got a blessing for now. If you grab hold of eternal life, you also get the bonus of abundant life now. So Jesus said in John 10.10, the thief comes only to rob, to steal and destroy. But I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So this is the deal. You get eternal life, an abundant life. What a deal. How awesome is that? Eternal life and abundant life. You get what I'm talking about right now. You get God's presence and God's power to do life well. Without condemnation, as Tim just said earlier on in communion. You're not going around feeling miserable and, and weight of sin and oppression and depression. And how do you deal with all your past mistakes? All the condemnation of your past. How do you deal with that? I'll tell you how you deal with it. You go to Jesus. And there's this encounter at the cross. The cross of Jesus separates history. It's the marking line. Before his coming, after his coming. B.C., AD, it's divided history. And in the center of history is the cross of Jesus Christ, the greatest gift that God gave humanity. So why is that? Because on the cross, Jesus paid the penalty for all the sins of mankind. Jesus paid the penalty for all of your mistakes, all of your guilt, all of your shame. Every mistake that you've ever made, whether you did it on purpose or whether you did it unwillingly, it was all paid for at the cross. So what do you have to do? I tell you what you do. That you bring your burdens. You bring your shame. You bring your guilt. You bring all your disappointments, your failures, your hurts, your wounds. And you take it to the foot of the cross. 
And that's where you lay it down because Jesus paid the price to take it upon himself so that you don't have to carry it anymore. When you leave, you will see that the blood that Jesus shed upon the cross as it falls upon your burden, as it falls upon your pain, as it falls upon your hurts, as it falls upon your failures and your misery, it dissolves it all. you're able to walk away from the cross set free. The burden's gone. The gain, the shame, the guilt is gone. I've got freedom. Yes. Not only freedom, but relationship. Why? Because when Jesus paid the penalty for your sin, at that moment, he declares you to be holy. He declares you to be perfect. And because of that declaration, you can actually go into the presence of God, the Father, and enter heaven as a perfect person. Not a sinful person, but a perfect person. You say, but that's, that's impossible. How can that be? That's the miracle of salvation. Jesus paid the penalty for your sins. Jesus took it away so that you can be free. And that's the message of Christianity right there, that Jesus paid the penalty for your sin. Say, John, so what must I do? This is so simple. It's as simple as A, B, C. First of all, you have to admit, A for admit, you have to admit, you have to humble yourself and admit that you've sinned. You have to admit that you've made mistakes. And for a lot of Australians, that's really hard for them to do because they're so busy blame shifting or anybody else, it's hard for them to admit, I admit that I've sinned. I've admit, but you know, you can't get a savior unless you realize that you need salvation. So that's the first step, admitting, 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 admitting. So what's the next step? The next step is believing. Believing that Jesus paid the penalty for your sin. B for believe. Believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sin. Believe that on the third day he rose from the dead. Believe that he is the savior of the world. He is God manifest in the flesh that came here to this planet in order to take away your sins. Do you believe that? Say, but I believe in science. Well, science isn't going to save you. It's Jesus Christ that will save you. I believe in science as well. But you know what? I can add both into my belief system. Believe that Jesus Christ is the Savior, not just of the world, but of your life. And then thirdly, see, to commit. To commit your life to Him. This is not just a one thing and walk away from it. This is a commitment for life. This is a commitment to say, Jesus, if you die for me, I'm going to... I'm willing to live for you. Jesus, I'm going to commit to you for the rest of my life. Jesus, I'm going to commit to your will for my life. Jesus, I'm going to commit to follow you. From this day forward, I want to be known as a Christian. From this day forward, I don't just want to have a tag. I want a relationship. A relationship. 
And I tell you, at that point, you receive the gift of eternal life. At that point, your name gets written in the book of heaven. There is a book in heaven called the book of life. And all those that have made this decision get their name written in that book. Is your name written in the book of heaven? Because friends, my name is in the book. And in that book is the name of many, many people in this church that have made that decision to admit that made them some mistakes, believe that Jesus paid the penalty for their sins and commit themselves to following Jesus for the rest of their lives. And today, if you want to pray this prayer of salvation, it's a simple prayer that I will lead you in. I'm telling you, you will be saved and your name will be written in that book and you will receive eternal life. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Thanks for listening to this message from the North Shore Christian Centre Audio Lounge. We invite you to visit us online at www.nscc.org.au. Through our website, you can keep up to date with what's happening in the life of our church in Chatswood, New South Wales, as well as accessing other free resource materials. 